As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This episode is part two of a two-part series that we're calling Working in Baseball. In our first conversation of this episode, Eno sat down with Kyle Bodie, founder of Driveline Baseball, to discuss how he turned a hobby into a career. Kyle and Eno also discussed the growth of Driveline, the potential impact of AI in baseball, and the surprising amount of untapped opportunity in player development around Major League Baseball. I'm here with Kyle Bodie of Driveline, co-founder and, uh, you know, player development expert extraordinaire. Wow. Um, Soul founder, by the way. Soul founder? Yeah, yeah. Mike really? doesn't get credit. No, I'm the, I'm the only oh, founder. It's I like okay. that you point that out. <laughs> I'm going to tell Mike later. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't credit you, Mike. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've, I've visited Driveline from uh, when it was just a baby. Uh, to uh, the sort of behemoth that it is today. Um, and I just wanted you to share with our listeners a little bit of that story of, you know, uh, what you were up to when you got into baseball. Uh, do I remember correctly? Was there some like online poker situation? And there, some of that, I want to hear some of that, like that transition from when you were made it from a hobby into, into, uh, into a job. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, there was an online poker situation. Yeah. A couple different things. It was a blackjack card counter as oh. well. Yeah, I was recently on Jeff Ma's podcast, Bringing Down the House, 21. Yeah, so he's my hero. Yeah. So it was very cool. So. Do you ever get thrown out of anywhere? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm banned from all M-Life casinos. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of places in Seattle. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was always coaching baseball at the same time. It's what I love to do. And I just felt there's got to be a better way to do this than, you know, how we're doing things. And when I read a lot of research – it's like, oh, I'm a nerd. I'll read research papers. That makes sense to me, you know. And man, there's just not a lot of answers on how to train pitchers and keep them healthy. You know, obviously, I was reading your stuff. We were writing at the same time for the Hardball Times and you know all those places at the beginning. And uh, how can we apply these ideas, you know? And and more, not just like oh, walks and wins above replacement, but how can we apply quantitative ideas to just coaching better? Jeff Kalk. And Josh Kalk. Josh Kalk. And I'm gonna tell him. That. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Kalk and uh, and Coop Duran. Yes. Uh, Coop Duran has some some good research about the uh, the effects of weighted balls. One of the few, I think, pieces of research that links actual sort of peer reviewed academic style research to outcomes uh, for baseball 
was that a big step forward for for driveline i couldn't believe it it was wide out it was open you know it wasn't just oh um soviet shot putters throw a heavier shot put and they improve like that that was out there yeah but you know okay so then maybe from that but is that the same thing as pitching right right yeah and then, yeah no, and that's fair right so i was like okay but we could test weighted balls but then you know when i start to search weight, what it's like no but there's someone's already done the research yeah and more than one paper multiple papers and i was like wow this is a and it's not some bro science it's not a blog it's a peer-reviewed study you know okay uh we gotta test it so yeah i was really shocked it's just kind of out in the open and uh and so you know you're 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 coaching kids and uh at some point you you made the jump to uh have a facility yeah yeah under an aikido studio great yeah yeah the cages were like 60 feet long and it was mostly for kids at the time uh yeah yeah mostly kids yeah little league and um a couple high school kids did you have to show proof of did you have like the ballingest little league team that was like the all throwing 98 or whatever first little league team was really good yeah yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it was a very money ball style how draft. did you end up with major leaguers yeah <laughs> it, you know one college guy gives you a chance sidearm and guy out of harvard was the first guy gave uh-huh. me a chance and i was so ecstatic then you know um your the first pro guy gives you a chance was ryan buckter so oh, now, you yeah. know, triple A uh, bullpen coach for the Phillies. Yeah. Pitched a long time in the big leagues. You know, it took for oh, a while to break in. So he got to the big leagues. And then Caleb Cotham was my second. There you go. Now the Phillies big league coach. Obviously, was my work with me <laughs> with the Reds. Um, and as I like to say, it's been downhill ever since. Your first <laughs> two guys get to the big leagues. And yeah, but those guys, you know, those guys give you a chance. And then you, you, you kind of break into some other things. You get some interviews with teams, you know, you know, that can go. And uh-huh. um, yeah. And then over time, you know, the Astros gave me my first chance. Uh, and that was really formative to guys for three years and see, you know, my first spring training with them. I remember telling Sig, you know, just right to his face, I said, this is going to work. You know, this, this team can win the world series. I mean, it was so amazing to watch a young 19 year old Carlos Correa hitting off of a 90 mile an hour breaking ball machine, just putting balls off the batter's eyes. Like no one's, no one's doing this stuff is nuts. You with know, hydratronics and in, in every stadium and yeah. every, in every environment. Yeah. That, that ended up following. Yeah. And the idea was like high speed cameras, like the cheaper ones, give them to the scouts, get better quality. Then we'll check out hydratronics. So, wow, this could be something, you know, so I was, I was along for a lot of that beginning and that, that involved David Stern too, you know, who's now with uh, Milwaukee. So, so it was a really interesting group of SIG and Lou now and Elias and, and Kevin Goldstein. And, and it was, it was a really interesting group. Stephanie Wilka, like a really, really interesting group to be around. Yeah, I'm a big fan of if you if you have a, if you don't measure, you don't know, um, and uh, they seem to to really espouse that. Now uh, you've got uh, a spot in Phoenix um, and uh, a much nicer spot in Kent, Washington. Yes, um, where you have hitting wells and 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 now weighted bats, which yes. Cooper Hen had an old school like it's taking long. Yep. But um, any case, uh, you are hiring. Sometimes I don't know if you're hiring specifically right now. Yeah, I, I always see that you're you're putting stuff out there. What types of skills are you looking for? What is in demand specifically or generally? What kinds of people are you looking for yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're hiring? There's two areas where I think one that's like really growing. I just gave an all hands presentation about um, you know where the distance is unknown. You don't necessarily want proven full timers. You want to take chances on young talent or they don't have to be young but just people that want to do something different um and that's our ai departments we call it the operation so our artificial intelligence and they are uh we have people from all different backgrounds that don't necessarily know how to code these are 
<clears throat> wow, really? Even yeah, I, I mean, not gonna <laughs> sit here and advertise more, but I mean, like Chat GPT and these AI things, these large language models can help you uh, catch, I mean, up, catch up. They really raise the floor. You know, someone as dumb as me who doesn't code a lot of this stuff, you know, but it just helps me so much catch up. You know, and and when we don't know exactly where the distance is going, we don't know where the field's going, and and how AI applies to baseball. I talked to a lot of gms and agms today but also over the last year about just the use of it and it's clear that we're much further ahead than all the teams uh, because I mean, we're i think we're more interested in different stuff it's fundamentally uh, large language models as part of this right yes. so it's fundamentally a language-based technology right now where you're talking about turning words into yeah in a big way that's one big part yeah so you need the words so you need the words so what words are you training it on it without turns, giving yeah. away your secrets I no, guess. it turns so, out that running an athlete management system at a loss for 10 years and you have messages you got lots of words coaches. yeah we've got lots of <laughs> words. Uh, and programs right uh, programs are nothing but words like how weighted and you've measured yes. all along the way so you can you can match some of that language to and we've recorded every meeting over the last three years at wow. so we have transcripts of everyone and we this have is like in our office meet like in our office meetings and, and also meeting more importantly we have meetings with clients so like you know when uh, a pitcher is working with us you know we make sure to record that we make sure that everything on the powerpoint so they see the biomechanics report their high performance report and everything is told to them and then those meetings i sat in one that was four and a half hours once you know, that's and, a lot. That's um, a lot of words. You can put the AI bot on. That is a lot. Yeah, but you know, transcribing. <laughs> Fortunately, computers don't. They don't. Uh, the transcribing yeah. is terrible, though, and some of it's done by AI. And I look at it, and I'm like, nobody was talking about pizza. Yeah, well, the you gotta you gotta fine tune them up to understand what it's talking mm. about. So we we fine tune. Put it, in some baseball words. Exactly. So, they so yeah, we fine tune a of. whisper model, faster whisper, and a couple other things. And so uh, we have the transcriptions are pretty good, but we don't transcription straight up we'll also then clean up the transcriptions like use a large language model to correct the type of guess that what they're meant to say based on other things you know so like mm. a, a fine-tuning type approach and then we'll also do a summarization because no one wants to read ten thousand words but what they want is like a five paragraph summary with action items and so we have a large language model do that they'll do a summarization of the transcripts uh and then give that to them and then we'll make chapters in a video those types of things and then from that turns out well oh this is how our best coaches speak to the best athletes on the yeah. planet makes looks we can train that model and it turns out and that's what i've been i didn't know this was coming you know a year ago i don't think any of us did but yeah, it's really is, taken off for sure but that's and that's what happens you don't have a time machine you can't go back and collect data oh it would have been great if i collected this data a year ago okay you can't do that like who would have guessed that having three years worth of of athlete meetings and corporate meetings would have been this like we were like oh it's valuable because then this player can see you know what we're talking about and we don't have to recall it you know that's great that is great and that's and that's if that's all it ever was that would have been worth it but now it turns out oh man we have millions and millions of words over the best coaches in baseball talking to the best players about about our techniques man that's so you can you, know, you can refine your delivery you can refine uh you can test your cues basically context. you can you know, cue to cue to outcomes yeah and, tra and training right so imagine you know you know you're a new intern at driveline and you want to get sped up uh, up to speed um but we don't trust you to speak to a big leader right away you know by yourself in a room like i don't know you know i don't know you might say anything so you speak to an ai bot so basically no it's true you that, say that, that it plays a, the part of a player yeah so we feed, oh. we'll, we'll train like 10 different athletes and give them Not like bad. here's the biomechanics report here's the high performance report for this player and then we know as, as human experts what we would say so not uh, necessarily me, but maybe like, um, you know, former like Bill Heasel, who we just ran into in the in the, in the yeah. home, you know, or like Chris Langan, current Tanner uh, uh, Angels uh, pitching coach. That's right. And, uh, you know, Chris Langan, our director of pitching, Tanner mm -hmm. Stokey, director of inning. How would they do this? Then we say, OK, that's like a supervised learning approach. I would say, OK, then the person speaks to this AI using text to speech or whatever and like says like, oh, here's what I think this, this, that did they hit on these things? Uh -huh. Suddenly they can do an infinite amount of training reps without a human ever being involved.
So yeah. Sintern has no t- he's just getting better and better and better. I tend to think of it so much about the cues and like, yes. you know, and, and saying the right, like linking what you're saying to outcomes with the player. Exactly. But some of that's got to be pretty noisy anyway, because you talk about uh, this is concept sort of feel versus real, where a cue, you could tell a cue to one player and to two different players and they'd have two different outcomes. They Two different things would happen when they right. had that same cue. Yeah. So maybe this is this is actually the future is better training, better sort of self training of like understanding how best to speak to to players. Yeah. Just, just getting they can get so many reps in that are you know high value but uh, low risk. You know, there's no risk. So um, for the motivated person, they get that they get immediately their stuff graded back. And then if our coach is like, no, no, I like what he had to say. Actually, I don't agree with the machine. I don't agree with the AI. Then you can put that back in the training of the AI. Yeah, yeah. And the AI is not end all be all, but it, it allows us to scale this because Bring imagine the floor up. Right. And imagine three facilities. Okay, we can do this with this, but now imagine 20 facilities. How do we train coaches and keep the quality high? Because as you know, that's my biggest concern is the quality. And this is actually pretty huge for an organization because if an organization has so many coaches, they have so many yeah. coaches and so many levels. Yeah. This I would be so super excited to hear this if I was a farm director and was like, man, I got so giving away coaches. the secrets, yeah. but I promise no one's going to implement it. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. Okay, so this gets, yeah, yeah, we can, yeah. this, this gets to the Keep next question. Here's the dumbest thing about baseball. Uh, <laughs> oh, so man. here's the dumbest thing about baseball is that this is like a pretty obvious thing. He just we're just like we're talking about state secrets here almost like almost. this is like if, if you were listening and, and you were working for a team you should this is something you should be excited about you should get on it might not even cost you that much and it would it would probably help your coaching um like that won't happen it won't maybe 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 what I mean, i'm not saying that it won't happen for any team maybe one or two teams somebody will be listening and be like oh this is a good idea uh you know i hadn't thought of that use we are working on ai already but that's a good use let's 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 think about that but uh not 30 teams and, and not even 10 probably Definitely. um and so i i think about but yet we had we had the sweeper craze just recently, and the sweeper is like a sideways uh, breaking ball. It uses some uh, seam shifted wake to 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 kind of uh, have some deception for the pitcher. That went through baseball really quickly. The Dodgers uh, were doing it, the Yankees and the Mariners, um, and now you know every team is is trying to teach sweepers to their their pitchers. So you know I've had people tell me the competitive window on something like this is eighteen months. Well, that was true for the sweeper. It is not true for player development or AI or anything, you know, we've been talking about how important player development is the two of us and other people before us for five, 10, 15 years. Yeah. We're not the first. I mean, you know? <laughs> like I've been, like, I wrote a piece like five, six years ago that this is the wild, wild west. Everybody should be, this is where there's opportunity. It's player development. We had a, we had books from Ben Lindbergh about it. Mm-hmm. And yet Pete Palmer talked about it. Am I wrong? That there are still teams that is it to say is it right to say don't care about playing or don't care about it in this way or or just not investing in it like it's still true that it's still a place that you can make advances for a team in player development like yeah it's still a place yeah um i wish i could say that you're wrong you know i wish i could say oh you're simplifying it but it's just true you know because caring about player development is you you can't just name the department player development and be like all right you know, it's like, yeah, it's we've not, got a guy yeah yeah we named the department that, so it must be good you know so not not quite but um you know to me player development is caring caring about it from the bottom of the stack to the top and that's that and, and to be honest that was not again that's not my idea and it's not even the person i learned it from it's more of a branch ricky idea right it's yeah um but uh you know when jeff and sig and 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 you know uh, all you the guys think there, that the astros success the astros success is not even 
breeding more roster success. They're going away from it somehow. Like, yeah. are we regressing in player development? I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. But I mean, uh, on the, you know, my one of the stories in spring training, I love to tell, and I was there, and you know, it was like we're going to meet with every single player. I remember our assistant general manager it was like, we're going to meet with every single. This pitcher. was the Astros. Yeah, and uh, we're going to do that. And the coordinator is like, all right, yeah. So he's telling the coaches. The coach is like. I meet with every player. I gotta do my job. And the coordinator's like, we're gonna be here till like seven o'clock every day. And the coordinator just looked and it was, yeah, it was, uh, our yeah. And he was just like, he's Sorry. like, that's our job, man. He's yeah. like, what's, what, who cares, man? Yeah. What are you talking about? That, that's you got something else to do. Yeah. And that's just our job. And I never forget, like, the coordinator said it's so monotone, like flat. And I was like, yeah, it is our job. Yeah. I wasn't the one, I mean, I don't know anything about pro ball at this point. So right. I was just like, that must be how it is. So you spend three years with them and you're like, nice. You move on, you're like, well, certainly pro balls like this. Oh my god! All right, no, you, know. <laughs> no. you know, but then you move on to teams like the Dodgers, and you know, when I was there under Gabe Kapler, and it's very much like that. You know, I was just starting, and 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 from a different angle, right? Gabe's like, they're gonna eat quality food, and we're gonna care about them this way. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, and, and you find some of your greatest successes and some of your biggest annoyances. I remember eating in the cafeteria and someone was complaining about overcooked salmon in extended spring training. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's how you know you've made it. Or <laughs> <laughs> complaining about it. You just want to like, now you know why double A coaches are so mad at the players, you know, <laughs> but it's like, that's, a, that's, a, that's actually success. Yeah. It's, you know, so probably it, better than giving them $5 from McDonald's. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know. It, and so caring, but like, so we're so much a top heavy organization or like industry where we care about the big leagues and that's all we care about. We care about the stars, the people we're going to give a hundred million dollars to. Right. But the Dodgers win because like, Oh, Clayton Kershaw, hurt uh, i guess we'll start dustin may you know i just like the replacement level i mean just huge. look at the dodgers versus the padres you know when the dodgers run out of arms bobby miller ryan pepio right. emmett sheehan and not and not being content with oh well, we have mookie betts he's an above average player by the end of the career he'll decline and he'll be a contract lease well, we're underwater. gonna send him to driveline and do some way to bats with him yeah and, and to know that mookie's that second he has the best, temperament second best power output of his career yeah and that he wants to do that yeah. right and that that's something he, they you know so the dodgers are not like they knew that like they weren't just screening for the best players. They're screening for players of the character that they knew that they could bring in that would that uphold that type of tradition. I don't know how big of a weight they put on it, but it definitely wasn't zero. You know, so when Mookie came and obviously he's had a heck of a career. And if he never plays again, he's still going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. So well, for him to be modest enough and to do that. And then it's, yes, is it about Mookie? Now he's a seven war player. That's huge. It's a ton of ton of value for him and the organization. Wonderful. But it sets an example for a Lux, a Miguel Vargas. Right. It sets an example for James Outman. Yeah, and it's not like, and but those guys had it all drilled into him since A ball. They knew that too. So once but they got, when James really Allen got to the big league, who you yeah. invest your most money mm -hmm. to, it becomes a de facto leader. Whatever they do on the field, broadcast to everybody what your values are as an organization. Yeah. This is the person you've decided to be the figurehead on the player yeah. side. And now James, and not James isn't this guy. If they're anti tech, or right. if they you know don't care about uh, yeah. infield practice, or they don't they you know they don't want to take extra swings or yeah. whatever it is. Not like, only did our best player swing the way to bats do. All this crazy stuff. He was coming out for early practice so he could take ground balls at shortstop. He's never played, he played shortstop. In and then, a then, he, then he did. And you watch him in early. He's out there at three o'clock or taking, and he's loving it. Wait, he's he was it. taking shortstop ground balls oh, at yeah. this offseason. No, 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 no. I mean with the Dodgers oh, okay. and all that. No, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. he's out there. You know, so it's like that culture of work. So it's like, yeah. oh, he's swinging the weighted bats, and he's, he's done all that. So, okay, that's interesting. Well, willing to try new things, and yeah. And, but then it's just who he is. It's not weighted bats. He goes like this dude's taking ground balls at shortstop. Right, you know, right. he's he, he, and he 
playing second base and he's you know, bowl 300 tonight. And not only that, right. And not only that, but he, he's loving it. He's like, he, he's taking hundreds of ground balls at short. He's never played there. So he's like, he was telling us, he's like, I love, I love it. Man. He's like, I'll take ground balls for three hours. at shortstop, <laughs> And just like, that's, what's good for the Dodgers, but he loves it. You know? Yeah. And so like that, what does that affect have on the other player? So yeah, to bring it back to the player development side, it's that, that culture of work, that culture of that accountability um, was, I was really proud of developing that with the Reds and that led when Carson Spires got to the big leagues, one of our first non-drafts for free agents, I'll never forget it because like that that generates thirty million dollars of surplus value for the organization or whatever it is, but it's mm-hmm. going to change Carson's life forever. You know, so yeah. you, you get both sides of it. Yeah, yeah. I guess if, if there is an answer, is that um, it's hard. I, I talk it about it hard. as being a tanker. Uh, an organization is like a tanker because there's so many people on it, and turning it around and making it, uh, you know, go in a different direction is you. Maybe you are that tanker gets stuck that got stuck in Panama. You know, like yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Um, and you're doing the 800, 800, 800 point turn. Um, but you're, you know, I, I, because it's hard, maybe some organizations try for a little bit and then say, yeah, well, you know, that didn't really give us any results and then fire half the people they hired. And it, it takes a while to change the coaching, change the values, change an organization on that level. So maybe people just sort of give up or I don't know. It's life changing money to be a general manager to be this, you know, so that if you can just hang on for a couple more years and re-up your contract, then it's what's best for your family. So that's possibly was rational. Yeah, but I've never forgotten. So not, so cover your cover your butt sort of stuff. Yeah. You don't want to do anything that's too weird that will make people be like, well, he failed. Right. He tried this thing and failed. Yeah, oh, that was weird, and we're trying to get him out of here. You yeah. Know? Um, but I could you, know, you really got to do, oh, well, we'll do this slowly, and we'll, you know, but then every year. But then your owner needs to. Your owner needs to to give you that uh, that 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 runway. Yeah, but you're also you know every year it's not even about the money for me, but it's just like you're stealing years away from these kids. You know when you look at these double A kids that have signed for ten thousand dollars that are making whatever and they're you working off season right by so you're just like man, how do you? I never you know, and that's who the, that's what I'm looking for when you're hiring. You're looking for coaches that that will that care about that. They care about that the most, and they know by doing that. That's what's going to get them to the big leagues, not just the player, but them, you know, and I saw that with mm. Houston. It's like they hired a bunch of misfits, right, with the Drew Frenches, you know, now big league coach for the Angels. Uh, or sorry, that's Barry Enright. Drew is now uh, with the Orioles. Uh, uh, but Drew and Chris Holt and, you know, Pete Patilla, now GM. Chris Holt, right? uh, director of pitching for the Orioles. Orioles yeah, yeah. For big, and then all these guys, they hired all these guys. Like, Who are these guys, you know? And and, and um, uh, Bill Murphy, he's the big league pitching coach for the Astros. Three games at Brown got fired. You know, so you're like, you know, Drew French got fired at FIU. Chris Holt was coaching at Flagler and coaching in a little facility like Driveline. So you take these chances, and it's not about them. You know it's about their character. They train, And then as the Astros got better, every single one of them gets poached or, or promoted or gets that opportunity. And that's what we saw with the Reds. And that makes it hard also, too, is because you oh, have sure. to maintain. You have to continue yeah. as you get poached. You yeah. have to keep hiring. But you people. have to understand that the, the, the work doesn't really end. Yeah, no, we've lost 45 people at Driveline to yeah. professional baseball. You know, But that's part of it. And they realize... You have to build a system around that. So we're like, oh, do we want to put poison pills in the contracts, block their contracts? Or maybe we develop like, AI and that helps us uh, train a bunch of new ones. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Part of it too. yeah. But it's about the system, right? The system is what does it. And so with the Reds, you know, like from, we went from coaches never getting an interview request with the Reds, with the, you know, before I got there, to we lost, they lost Forrest Herman. I'm not at liberty to say, but the other guy, plenty of other guys have gotten opportunities. Seth Atherton left for USC, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Rob Wooten left for a private facility. He got an attractive offer. Uh, and then some of the other coaches and coordinators are getting interview requests all the time. And and that's, you know, that's frustrating from the Reds' point of view, but it's very – I said that on my first day of work. I said, you know, if we do this right, this is what's best for our careers too, not just for the players, but, like, if we develop this system and care and then these guys get there, when Carson Spires and Graham Ashcraft and these guys get to the big leagues, that will reflect, you know, well, on them. Yeah, and it's not about, like, oh, I'm the coach. I got this guy to the big leagues. No, we do it together as a team. Mm-hmm. If we do that, we all benefit. And that's what they saw. That's exactly what happened in Houston. It's exactly Cleveland. 
Dodgers and uh, and now Cincinnati. You see it in all those places. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and uh, that's it for us on this interview. But uh, thanks Thank again, much. Kyle Bodie, for awesome. coming by and talking Thank to you, us. You know, it's appreciate always it. a pleasure. Awesome. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In our second conversation of this episode, Eno sat down with Lance Brozdowski to discuss his path into a unique on-air role as a player development analyst on Marquee Sports. All right, we're here with Lance Brozdowski, uh, player development analyst from Marquee Network. Is that the Network. coolest title of anyone that's done Oh us? my God, I love it. I want it. <laughs> no, I want that. One. You know what? Maybe I can petition the Athletic. <laughs> yeah, there we change go. Change my title. I am player development analyst for the Athletic. I don't want you to be out there all alone with that thing. <laughs> Uh, no, that's great. Uh, I wanted to, I've, I've known you for a while. Yeah. Uh, I think I, when I first met you, um, you were a fresh, you're still fresh face. Don't let me I say am. Anything. Yeah. I got a baby face. I know. But, uh, you were a fresh face youngster in perhaps an ill-fitting suit, oh, uh, it was definitely ill-fitting, with, yeah. uh, with, uh, with a group of youngsters, college baseball, baseball scouting, network. scouting network. <laughs> that existed That's does it. not exist anymore but and it was a fun project at the time yeah so tell me a little bit about from there to here what uh what you were doing at the time and mm-hmm. how those footsteps led uh to now yeah it's a great point so undergrad umass amherst accounting major i worked in public accounting for three four years in the city of boston immediately didn't like it just needed a couple of years to kind of adjust and save some money up to pivot really hard to grad school got a graduate degree degree from northwestern university in sports media um mm. in between that though is where probably all the interesting stuff happened i wrote a little for baseball prospectus put some stuff in the hardball times just kind of like tried to create you know just like tried to figure out my thoughts on the game and where i kind of fit in the industry because i i've always had a passion for like communicating in media i mm-hmm. think and like that's always funny when i like talk to people they're like hey, do you want to like go team side and i'm like I like I, I really like like talking to people and like getting mm. that interaction, getting that feedback very directly. So, yeah, at the time I was working at PwC and I started. Or I didn't start, but I hopped in and helped out on the content arm of Collegiate Baseball Scouting Network, which is essentially a company that hired individuals at colleges to get velo data and then they package all the velo data and sold it to teams. Oh. So this was like D two D three JUCO where like the uh-huh. organizations didn't have the legs where to they get didn't out. have the data. Yeah. So we had some contracts with a couple of major league teams. I was primarily helping with, you know, some operations and the content we wanted to have like a content arm to make content and mm-hmm. people who wanted to write hopped in and, a lot of people from there are actually now in major league organizations, which is pretty crazy. I also helped start Prospects Live, which is a company that is still existing. No way, you helped Prospects. Yeah, I was with Jeff Ponce, who's now with uh, Baseball America. I'm detached from them now entirely, but it was I me was, and a couple uh, others who initiated that venture. Prospects um, Live writer who's in a second round interview. So. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They do some awesome work now. Um, yeah. Smata, if anyone follows him on Twitter, is a great. He's an, an unbelievable guy. He's did a lot of the data side for for Prospects Live and had some cool stuff. But those two companies really kind of shaped and helped 
me realize maybe where I fit and piecing together some really yeah. terrible paying jobs. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> it was more working at PwC and then not getting paid to do any of that yeah, stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, that was that's the grind. Though. I mean, everyone I think in this industry's done that. And then went to Northwestern, learned some video editing, stumbled into a PA who got hired at Marquee when they started in 2020 when the Cubs bought back TV rights. And they needed someone who knew ball. And I was like, I know ball and I can also video edit. So that's perfect. So I became like this very odd liaison between our talent, which is like Ryan Dempster and other former players and like video editing. So if they wanted to talk about something very specific for a pregame show, like they'd come to me, I talk it through, then I would cut it. Generally, that role in most media organizations is split where you have a producer and an editor. Uh But they combine me into one. And I kind of played this very nice balance of the two. And I think it was really attractive for the network and, I've always loved the minor leagues. I covered the minor leagues, Midwest League for forever um, at Northwestern's where I got a lot of my access and stuff and have for my entire life followed the minor leagues and kind of parlayed that all into doing some minor league coach for the Cubs. Again, just serendipitous in terms of timing, was able to kind of hop in and help them out with some of the guys coming through the system, doing some interviews. They liked me enough on camera to eventually then I pitched my own segment. Now I have my segment twice a week on Marquee Sports Network pregame shows. And then that turned into doing a couple sideline duties throughout the course of the last two seasons which has definitely been a huge learning I saw experience you with matt mervis's father in the in the uh in the stands um i don't know if that was me i don't think i uh, did no. an interview with him i did mervis and pca mervis pca himself. is not uh mervis's dad though so no i thought i thought i saw you in the stands with somebody i was it was pca dad. and matt mervis but it wasn't uh, mervis's dad oh it's pca and matt mervis yeah, themselves yeah, because they just been signed or yeah something. yeah they were, were coming up they were like the future that's and right that's it's always been a thing in marquita trying to push those that's guys, part of your so. sideline duties exactly yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly uh that's interesting because there's, there's elements of specific skills yeah uh but also a little bit of a generalist angle. Like I mean, this idea that like they hired you for two roles. If you maybe had only been good at the production side or didn't have the on-camera experience, yeah. you might not even gotten that role. Like that might've been that by knowing a few different skills, you made yourself available. Do you think that, uh, you know, there's, there's always this thing that people want to say, like, especially in publishing like, or like writing, mm-hmm. find a niche, find this one thing, you know? And I think back over my career and like, I've had so many different niches. Like it's I true. was the grips guy once. You, you were, know, yeah, like, for you sure. Know? And then, you know, somebody very prominent is much more of a grips guy than me now, but I love him. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to say anything bad. It's like, it's funny. I used to be the grips guy. I've been the sandwich guy. I don't even eat cheese anymore. Like, you know, like I, I, I'm not a great sandwich guy anymore. So, you know, there's these different, these different niches. So I, I, I kind of tell people like you may find a niche, but, like leave yourself open for other niches. So is it, does that resonate with you Absolutely, at all? Absolutely. hundred percent. I agree. I think, I think you're told all the time, like you're told a lot in journalism school, you know, especially graduate journalism school, you're told like all these things. And I think, most of them like proved to be very wrong, but you, you realize they're wrong. <laughs> you remember your any own. of these sort of like tenets <laughs> that you, that well, I like? remember one that really stood out to me was that um, your job in three years will probably be with a company that doesn't exist right now. And I was like, eh, that's that doesn't make any sense to me at the time. And then I got hired by Marquee, which didn't exist in 2019. <laughs> and I was like, it so was like that moment. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one where they're right. There's a lot of other tenets, though. I yeah. think, you know, I'm, journalism is a very old school thing. You know, concept, it's, it's writing. Yeah. It's an old school concept. Yeah. And I really think, like, the industry is obviously changing a ton. Like, the TV rights stuff is crazy. It's impacting the game. And that is, like, 
we're going to have other mediums for content. We don't exactly know what they look like. You know, we don't know mm. if they're going to be team run, et cetera. So like, I think that message then applies to anyone watching this that's interested in getting into more media analytics angle stuff. Like that's, there's a good chance you're working for somewhere that doesn't exist right now. And yeah, I think point. that's really important. But. So, so, you know, if we are, you know, thinking about advice to, to young people in the industry, like part of it might just be like, if you have a, a dream or an idea of where it's going, like maybe have the spills, like yeah. hone the skills for the job that doesn't exist yet. I agree. And I also think yeah. that diversity of skills really works. Because again, as you said, yeah. like, the video editing allowed me to get in and then convince people to let me do other stuff. So like having some other baseline skills and going in and doing some kind of work, as long as that company allows you to grow is really important. Mm. I've gotten very lucky with Marquee and their ability to let me grow. I know there's a lot of other companies that maybe don't do that. Well, let's, but... let's speak about that growth because this is a good parallel to some of the conversations we've been having with the other guests we've had on about getting your foot in the door in one part of the operations and whether or not like maybe in baseball, it's not uh, so great to get in on marketing side if you want to be on operations, yeah. but maybe within operations, there's a lot of different roles that you could take on that would still lead the place you want to go. So how is the reception been uh how how have they let you grow within this role uh how has the reception been from fans and from yeah. the network and from i mean like honestly even from the other talent on the network because you know they may look around and be like nobody else has this guy you know is that like a good thing or they're like this guy <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great question i think we're very privileged that market to have boog and uh -huh. I, it's, I think it's very difficult probably to do my sideline role with anyone else on play-by-play. -play, and I've thought about this. Uh -huh. It's like, well, what if we do that everywhere? Like I have an agency representing me now, which we could get into, which is crazy. Uh -huh. But like, we've thought about that. And I was like, I don't think it would work everywhere, you know? Uh -huh. So it's awesome to be able to work with Boog at any capacity as anyone maybe watching uh -huh. this has. And I imagine, you know, him relatively yeah. well, but yeah, that I think he's received it really well. And that's given me confidence to do it. You know, there's been ups and downs with it, though. Like, I didn't have almost any on-air experience prior to being on-air. So mm -hmm. I stumbled into this, and I've tried to grow it. And so the ability to kind of fail forward is something that is obviously pretty buzzy. But I think that's very relevant to me. You know, their ability to, like, not just take me off the second I mess up something. I remember one of the first things I did was uh, a pregame segment, like, more on-air as opposed to, like, minor league interviews. It was a pregame segment that Cubs were playing in Colorado, and I tried to explain, like, Air density. Oh wow! <laughs> it's a terrible idea we, to do in like a two minute like, segment. And I remember, I remember having a call with Alan Nathan before too to like get. I was oh, just like, God. I need to make sure I have this down. Let me iterate. Trying to, to him. Uh, explain and he thought it was great. So it gave, me, it gave me confidence to do it. I was and like, you're no. talking Magnus, and the producers like, you know, you have like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I don't know if it was pre-taped. It might have even been live too, which was oh, even God. more terrifying. But yeah, it didn't come out. It was terrible, and uh, I was way too quick. It was way too dense, and like. The ability for them to just not be like shut down this yeah, Lance project. Done. <laughs> <laughs> the ability for them to be like, no, we'll give them like you got to grow. Like uh -huh. the feedback process was surprisingly good, which I often find sometimes difficult to get in the creative fields. And yeah. Stuff. Uh, did the pitch clock affect your job? <laughs> so I don't do sideline a lot. So I almost don't even. Seg the segments are pregame. Segments, segments are pregame. So like you so turn you on the game thirty minutes. They're not trying to wedge you in mm -hmm. in between pitches and. I have run into that a little with like in game though. You know, uh -huh. it's like that's tough too because I'm prepping a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff prepped. Then you get in game and like fifty percent of it becomes irrelevant. And then yeah. I want to get I want to get this one thing in because I report on this for like two weeks. And I have multiple sources and it's great. And then like that guy comes up and the producer's like just can't get in. We have sales and it's like 
Oh my god! And then, and, and then like, I, and I like then I have nuggets I haven't even used. You like know what I mean? They're seconds great. Seconds and seconds, like you know, you, yeah. You, you, you got to be fast. It's you got to be really fast. You fast fast and simple, and get it across very quickly. Yeah, and I, I, I talk. I think I talk pretty fast now, but you should have seen some of my early stuff. <laughs> so it's like in my head, I was like, I'm talking down fast because then people are like, "This guy, fast. I'm perfect for the pitch clock. <laughs> let, me, let me roll." But um, yeah, I, I, it's really hard to distill things down to twenty to thirty seconds. I find it very difficult, but I also find it challenging, and I think to some extent, I'm motivated by that. I love like, can I get seam effects into 30 seconds? And, yeah. like, the answer is probably no, but I'm going to try to have try <laughs> in, like, very kind of subtle ways to bring it in, just mention and be like, I know it's a scary topic, but essentially that ball is just moving differently than you expect. And it's like, 10 seconds? Yeah, I gave you a, a pretty high-level idea of what's going on. And then you yeah. want to give me 45 seconds, we go a little deeper. So, like, having layers of a topic I think is really important. And I think initially I only had that top layer, which was, like, I want five minutes to talk about oh, this. You know? yeah. it's like, and that's that's a little bit more your YouTube channel. Where, for sure, you know, you've exactly. You've got more time and you can kind of get into just more advanced concepts. I think that's also important to uh, for people to understand, you know, that are coming up, uh, especially if, they, if, if this becomes like, you know, how-to for media and yeah. you think about media jobs, um, that the medium is the message. Like the medium mm. is so important. You have to change what you're doing to fit the medium at all times. You have to think a tweet is this many words. This is all I can get across in a tweet. A thread is this much. This is what I can get across in a thread. If I have a video component to my podcast, I can do certain things with mm -hmm. my hands even to get it across. And if uh, if uh, if it's a just an audio podcast, what can I do? Um, so it seems like your job has prepared you for that. And you've got you know three or four different ways yeah. to get your message across. And you're learning how to specifically uh, tailor those messages. Yeah, I definitely thought about that too. And medium is the message is there's an undergrad professor, Will Norton. I actually think you've hopped in on this class before UMass Amherst. He really likes you. I don't know if you know who he is, but his he has a whole class on medium is the message. And he's one of my mentors and he's been a mentor of mine for a while. So I'm a, shout out to uh, him. I'm a communications master's from Stanford. Yeah. And I think I had a class that was called the medium is the message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he stole it from them. I don't know. I'm giving too much credit. But I, but. <laughs> but I, I the, the name rings a bell. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, so I think we've done a little bit. I was planning on sort of advice for younger, but we've sort of that's been a thread that's yeah, been throughout yeah. this. Um, and then so, you know, as your job progresses, you know, what, what about the sort of day to day of your job? Like what is how do you ingest these? Like we've talked a little bit about how you produce and mm. how you how you, uh, you you broadcast and convey these messages. How do you ingest them? Like what is the like where do you read? Who do you mm, read? Where point. do you I read look? you and I listen to you? you know, so. Where do you <laughs> and cool where else do you, you go <laughs> and 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 get that knowledge where where who are you reading where are you going yeah yeah i'm reading a lot of fan graphs a lot of the athletic i'd say those are my two primary sources i think it's developed over the years though i've now it's gotten to the point and i'm sure this is the case with you where like i read but i also like i talk to i text with like my my role of x is really expanded in terms of who's in orgs that i know yeah, that we I'm missed able a to spot text. in your in your story with what driveline oh yeah driveline this is, yeah, this is a good another great one this actually is great it ties beautifully into what i'm about to say yeah. it's like driveline, I some of those guys <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah very good relationship with all of them i i talked to an individual about luke jackson's slider just the story uh, i think it was actually for the hardball times was, nice. he's got a wacky slider let's talk about it and uh -huh. that was like when i first started to understand what like gyro spin was and that was a great uh -huh. example i talked to an individual at driveline who's tangentially training him and just kept in touch with him and then he was hiring for a role that was stitching together TrackMan, Rapsodo, and Edgertronic, basically for pitch design sessions. So, you know, this guy's working on a slider. We want 
two clips are good, two clips are, clips are bad. Can you pause it right at With release? With different stats. Exactly. And stitch that all together and put it into a thing. So again, the video editing came in. That's with the video. Exactly. Oh, so wow. I, me I messaged him and he knew me from the interview. He remembered me and he gave me the job. Uh -huh. And I work with... Uh, Three, four guys that are now in Major League Orgs, Cart Caps. I was one of my guys, oh, trainer, yeah. Dan Moscow's assistant pitching coach for the Cubs. Uh -huh. And I, re I realized in that, in the time, I was like, this is cool to look at this data. I've never seen this. And then I realized like two years later, it's like, oh, actually, the value in that job was now that I can call Dan Moscow's when he got the job and be like, Dan, like, crazy you're with the cubs now like this is awesome like i'd love to chat and then we've developed a relationship and it's like it's just, it is funny though, that is once they get behind yeah. you know once they're working for a team you know when they're with driveline they're like a little bit more like they'll talk to you about specifics yeah. once they you work gotta, for a team you gotta have they might feel. be like you're in the right direction they'll like they'll, they'll like do a little <laughs> yeah. like adjustment and i think a little bit more about this or this but they don't they won't give you the whole they, yeah. won't, they won't bear the whole leg you know bear, yeah building that trust is really big like I, I emphasize feel a lot. I'm like comfortable with people telling me things and then being comfortable telling me things and mm. me then being able to filter and know like what of that I can't say, or yeah. even just allowing it to make me more confident about something. I think that's often where I use it a lot, but build your knowledge base without a specific thing that, yeah, that exactly. blows them up in any way. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, going back to like the day to day, like, yeah, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of like in the mornings I'll wake, I'll wake up and I'll, I'll pop on and just look through box wars and I'll jump to true media, which is kind of a resource of mine and just rip yes. through changes and shapes I've and heard movement. Some, there's you know? these, true media and synergy are two yeah. of the most powerful resources for anybody. I think trying to learn about the minor leagues specifically, yeah. they, they have data about the minor leagues that nobody else yeah. has really. I don't, I don't have the team access. So they have two different access roads. There's like a team access, which gives you minor league. And then uh, the one I have is just triple a major league, but it gives you a true media has ways you can kind of sort yeah. stuff. It's and, real time movement. I get it like mm. in the inning. So I can watch an inning, then look back. You can click on something and get a video of it. Like yep, you can exactly. click on the movement box Again, I like the heat maps in there a little more than Savant's and offense. Savant's Savant's amazing. But <laughs> but yeah, that that is essentially, you know, my palette. How about this? Let me ask you something. Yeah. What is the uh movement uh language that your media is? <laughs> uh, you mentioned this on a recent Rates of Barrels like, podcast, what, I remember. What, and I was is laughing. It IVB? Yes. Is it that is the one that I, I'm I'm frustrated. I know you're frustrated by this too. It's oh just my like God. Whenever you talk to a coach, they talk in short form. They talk in IVB. So yeah. I, just don't, I don't understand why we have all these other versions. Like Savant anytime you talk to a coach, just like done the one that, that coach it use. doesn't make. And I've talked to I think a Tontame about this, and I get the merit for and what is form. Brooks? Brooks is uh, isn't like sixty five feet for some reason. They just cut down the movement a little bit. Is that what it is? Or maybe I'm thinking of pitch effects movement or something. Brooks is not. Uh, Brooks is like good ride is nine point eight in in, uh, in in on Brooks. That might be 65 foot or something. Anyways, everyone should be using this because the thing I standard, can we have one standard? The thing please? I ran into is like, <laughs> if you talk to any player coach, like they talk, like if a fastball's 19 vertical and eight horizontal, it's a 19 and five fastball. Uh. And like that language I hear all the time. So it's like, I don't understand why we on the media side deviated from how yeah. coaches speak because we yeah. limit the ability for anyone to then interact with the coach or the player about the pitch. Cause yeah, they're not only looking at for anybody who wants to learn this stuff. And, yeah. It's frustrating, yeah. but. It is what it is. You go places too uh, to do your research. You've visited. Have you visited Kent? Have you? You were just. Uh, I have not been to that facility, but I've been to I've been to Arizona's facility and Wake Forest had a bridge seminar this weekend. Mike McFerrin was awesome to have me out and pay for they, some of did it. Did they so. show? Uh, did they show you around the the, yeah. the awesome lab a, there? Got a TikTok coming out on it. I got to, uh, saw sorry. the lab is really cool, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff went over my head. They went into some medical stuff. They started like going into like 
labral tears and they had like scopes and i was like this is too much like, uh, even for me i'm willing to they're, listen they're, they're talking about uh <laughs> angles like levels yeah. of sub subluxation and, and and like all the different it was wild all the different biomechanical yeah, uh, stats yeah. they have yes yeah, that's gonna be the news language we gotta learn though because that's just gonna start filtering out to us and we're gonna i mean that's what teams are working on and they know. talked a little bit about like the internal brace but i'm not even confident enough to like distill what i heard you know because I'm, yeah. I'm so far removed from the medical stuff i'm always hesitant to like assume or say anything but and everybody yeah. wants to know what's going on I with know, otani's i, I mean well, all i can tell you is like it's about half the recovery time and maybe a little bit more risky I, the craziest thing like the one thing that i, I will say is I, i'm pretty sure this is accurate i'm gonna feel really bad if it isn't but they talked about how really simple concept like the ucl like your tear could be in a different spot uh-huh. on the ucl and I, and that completely changes things you know what i mean right and, and i was is, like that's something that came through the otani language is yeah the the, the the tears in a different spot than it was before yeah and yeah. maybe that's good news yeah maybe i just like that alone made me think of like when you hear ucl injuries it's like ucl injury it's like you have so much beyond that like yeah. it could be yeah. could be a complete tear and like i i can't even imagine. and this is probably holding up some of the otani process right now actually. yeah i mean they 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 and and doctors don't always agree Sure. So you point. you yep. might be taking these medicals for Shohei Otani, and one doctor says, "Well, I don't like the brace. I don't like the brace thing." Or mm-hmm. or 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 one doctor says, "Oh, these are in totally different places. He's totally good. He's fine." Well, the doctor who was an athletics doctor, I believe his name is Mike Freehill, was at this conference and basically said he only does in the brace now. He only does the I brace. I believe now. that's accurate. So again. I guess he would say that it's not any riskier. Yeah, he thinks that this. I think again, I'm, I'm and paraphrasing I've been hearing here, but that the Aaron Rodgers Achilles was a, an internal brace too. Yeah. And that's the internal brace is the way chance to go. He, he comes The back, other nugget, so. though, they said was that the timeline initially was pretty aggressive, and I believe it was Meister that's kind of like lengthened that timeline back out. So not so now we're, it's not six. So they're a little it bit used like to be uh, like sixteen versus six. Because the idea is like, okay, if we if the, if the synthetic in the UCL made it slightly stronger, and we take the same amount of time, then like you're, mm. it's still better procedure, right? Because if it's stronger at the end of the day, but like uh, maybe let's not be aggressive with the timeline. But yeah. again, it's so individual, right? Like I, uh, so many things that we don't know on the public side that are probably influencing these decisions. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's interesting that there's there is a lot of. I think people from the outside say, well, if you guys are d- designing pitches so well and you're uh, and you're you're all geeked out and you're doing all this stuff, then why haven't why haven't done anything about pitching injuries? And I know my answer is they are working on it. Like you know, there are absolutely have been advances. Like we're talking about taking something Tommy John that was 14 to 16 months and maybe turning it into an eight month process with internal brace. We're talking about avoiding uh, labrum surgery because we're catching in the elbow yeah. first we're talking about uh there's two things that biomechanics would usually want to do one is to improve uh your velo mm-hmm. but the other is absolutely to improve your velo with the same amount or less stress yeah, on the elbow that's so no one ever like, talks about that it was like the there are definitely people who causes about more injuries is like missing so much. Oh, know? yeah, because they'll even say weighted balls create injuries, but you're missing the fact that weighted balls create velo. Exactly. And so if they create velo, then you have to correct for that when you're talking about injuries because velo creates injuries. I'm probably repeating what Kyle Bodhi said, but yeah. yeah, a lot of that of like if you're throwing 89, you probably should take the risk to use weighted balls and try to throw 92. Because oh, you're not going to be the major leagues. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> you really suck, so you need yeah. to take the risk. That's what Alex Cobb told me when I was talking to my kid throwing curveballs. He was like, I mean, what if so what if he rips a bunch of curveballs, gets to the major leagues, and he blows out his arm? Yeah. He made it to the major leagues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Instead of not, we were cautious. We didn't use weighted balls. And he's and like, 
he's, he's an accountant. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just to be fair to Alex Cobb, afterwards he said, uh, don't take any advice from me. I've had every surgery known to man. But I made it to the major leagues. <laughs> That's true. <yeah. laughs> hey, you made it to the major leagues. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Thanks, Thanks for coming a lot. So it's good. Thanks for listening to the second episode of our Working in Baseball series. You can check out each of these interviews individually on our YouTube page. If you enjoyed these conversations, drop us a note at ratesandbarrels at gmail.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank all five of our guests for this series, Sam Fold, Ross Fenstermaker, Sean Ahmed, Kyle Bodie, and Lance Brozdowski. Thanks again for listening.